Well, what's up? We are at Second Chance Church today in the middle of our 5G series. Super excited. Also super excited about our Easter services. And we do have some announcements regarding the Easter services at the end of the message. And I do that on purpose because typically in most churches, when you get to the end of the message, people leave. Um, and so I don't want you logging off and I want you to pay attention. We're going to talk about the Easter services at the end of the message today. Um, just a real quick review before we dive in. And if you have a Bible today, if you have a Bible, we're going to go to two different places. Going to go ahead and give you um, two spots to go. Genesis 28 and Matthew 15. Genesis 28, Matthew 15. Made it very easy for everybody. First book in the Old Testament, first book in the New Testament. Genesis 28 and Matthew 15. We're right in the middle of our 5G series. We've been talking about the core values of Second Chance Church. And the first week, we talked about grace. We talked about the grace of God. And we're going to be a church that's all about God's grace. And, you know, I, I was just kind of thinking about that this week when Jesus said, do to others as you would have them do to you. I mean, if we just did that, if the Christians in the world just did that, it would absolutely change the world. Um, but we're going to be a church where we show grace. We, we're thankful for God's grace to us. And we're going to be willing to show God's grace to others. And last week, we talked about grow. Um, it's not just enough to know. We need to grow. And remember, we talked about gratitude. We talked about rest. We talked about openness. And we talked about um, worship. Today, the third G in our um, 5G series, the third value we're going to talk about is this thing called gifts, specifically spiritual gifts. However, I'm going to talk about spiritual gifts in a way that I've never talked about them before in over 20 years of ministry. And the reason I'm going to talk about them differently is because in preparation for this message over the past um, several months, I saw some things that I've never seen before. And so um, I kind of want to set it up like this. Several, um, several months ago, me and some friends went into a restaurant to grab something to eat. And I was already hangry when I got there. Now, if you don't know what hangry is, it's um, when you get so hungry that you're angry. And I stay that way most of the time anyway. So I was hangry when I got to the restaurant and we sat down and um, we waited on the server to come to the table. Now, if you've heard me preach any message for any period of time, you know I love people that work in the restaurant industry. I have a lot, a lot of mercy for people in the restaurant industry. Um, but on this particular day, my mercy tank was running really low because I was hangry. So we sat down at the table and it took forever for the waitress to come over to the table. And she came over to the table and she wasn't really paying attention. She's like, what can I get you to drink? And I was like, water. She's like, what? It's like water. She's like, what? I was like, water. Like, like I had to spell it out for her. And so she left and it took like 10 minutes. I don't know if she had to go wait for it to rain or I, I don't know what was going on. But she brought back the water, and um, then she left, and she didn't take her order. And it was, it was just a horrible experience. And me, um, I'm sitting there, and I'm starting to say some things that are not very um, Christ-like, if you know what I'm saying. I start kind of talking about how bad the service is or whatever. And before I knew it, two other waitresses in that restaurant came over and said, Hey, can I get your order? And I was like, oh, thank God. Somebody finally recognizes how horrible this is. And I was like, yeah, you can take our order. And then one of them spoke up and she said, hey, I want to go ahead and apologize to you for the service um, or the lack of service you're getting tonight. And I was like, oh, God, this, this really sucks when one, other waitresses are noticing how bad this waitress is. 
And then, and then everything changed. She said, Cindy, who was, Cindy was actually our server. She said, Cindy's one of our best waitresses, but she's a single mom and she has to work. And all three of her kids are at home sick, but she had to come into work tonight. And so she's in the back trying to call, trying to figure out how to get one to the doctor, how to get a friend to come over. She's, she's trying to juggle all this and her mind is just not into what she's doing. Well, something happened to, to me and every, first of all, felt like a major jerk, just a complete rear end. But something happened at that table. I went from a mindset of condemnation to compassion. All of a sudden, uh, I wasn't angry at her. I felt for her. And so when she came back to the table, we were like asking about her kids and, and asking, you know, can we pray for them? And then we tipped her really, really, really big. We gave her a humongous tip and just said, thank you. And I remember leaving the restaurant that day understanding that compassion really is um, a call to action. When we feel compassion in our heart, it's a call to action. And the reason I'm setting this up with compassion is this. If compassion is not the foundation for us using our gifts, then our gifts never will, never will be effective. If compassion is not the foundation for us using the gifts that God has given us, then our efforts will always fall short. How, unfortunately, unfortunately, the church in America is not known for its compassion. We're kind of known for our condemnation. So that's what I want to kind of talk about today because I want compassion to be the motivation for us using our gifts here at Second Chance Church. So we're going to dive into Genesis chapter 28. Remember, we started talking a few weeks ago about Jacob. Now, Jacob is a deceiver, and he runs from his family. And remember, he runs right into a place called Bethel, which is the house of God. And he has this vision of Jesus standing at the top of a stairway to heaven. And this is where we're going to pick it up in Genesis 28, verse 13. Genesis 28, verse 13. The Bible says this. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you, those four words, you can underline those because those are huge. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's huge too. You can underline that if you, if you do that kind of thing. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now, a couple things, a couple quick questions before we dive in. Question number one, what did Jacob do in order to receive this gift from God? Answer, nothing. He did nothing. He was, and don't, don't miss this, the same th thing for Jacob, the same thing for all of us. We're saved by the grace of God, but we're also gifted by the grace of God. And the reason that's so essential for us to understand is this. We can always, you know, hey, yes, saved by the grace of God, sustained by the grace of God. But a lot of times when it comes to our giftedness, we kind of think that, that we 
um, gave ourselves the gift rather than God giving us the gift. But any sort of gift that we have is a gift from God. So, so because of the grace of God, we're saved, but also because of the grace of the God, we're gifted. Now, here's the second question, and this is huge. This is going to lead to where we're going today. Um, who was the gift for? Well, who was the gift for? So Jacob, he was gifted by God. It was given to Jacob. But who was ultimately the gift Jacob was given for? Who, who was it for? The entire world. Because he said, I will, bless, I will bless all the peoples on the earth through you. So God said, Jacob, I'm going to give you a gift, but the gift I'm giving you is not for you. It's for the entire world. So when it comes to our gifts, when it comes to our spiritual gifts, God, the grace of God, is the reason we have the gift, but the gift is given to us for the world. Now, I want to show you where this practically plays out and um, bring some personal application to this. Flip over to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, we're going to look at a story about um, the, out of the life of Jesus where he fed 4,000. There's one time in the scripture where he fed 5,000. That's in Matthew 14. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about when he fed 4,000 in Matthew 15. Matthew chapter 15, verse 29 is where we're going to pick it up. The Bible says this. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee, which, by the way, is beautiful. We're going to be there in a few months. Um, Jesus left there and went to the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Now watch this. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Now, before we move on, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I just want to make it very clear, that's the kind of church I want Second Chance Church to be. A place where the crippled, the mute, the lame, the blind can show up, and we don't kick them out, but we pull them in. We've, I've said for years, the church is not a museum for saints, it's a hospital for sinners, but at the end of the day, listen, lots of churches all across America would say they want to see people get healed. The problem is they just don't want sick people showing up. And in order for people to get healed, they're going to be sick, right? And so if we're going to be a hospital for sinners, then that means we're always going to have a messy church, starting with the guy in the pulpit um, and, and spreading out. We're always going to have a messy church. Which, I'm going to bring it back and then I'm going to keep moving on. I promise I'm not going to stand on the soapbox for much longer. But we're going to care about two types of people at Second Chance Church. People far from God and people who care about people who are far from God. That's it. That's the mission of our church. We care about people who are far from God. And we care about people who care about people that are far from God. So at the end of the day, mess, we're going to have a messy church full of messy people. So if you're not messy, you probably don't want to show up because we will mess you up. All right, here we go. Uh, verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, watch this. I have compassion. There's that word. There's that word. Compassion leads to action. Compassion, compassion is the foundation for the miraculous taking place. I have compassion for these people. All these people that have just been with him. 
They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. You know, no Taco Bell, no Chick-fil-A, no food trucks, no anything like that. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way, which is true. I would have just passed out by, by, by this time. So, so Jesus says, I have compassion for these people. I don't want to send them away. And the reason he says this is because in Matthew chapter 14, the apostles came to Jesus before the feeding of the 5,000 and said, hey, we need to send these people away. So Jesus kind of preempts this and says, hey, there's a lot of people here. They're really messed up. They're all hungry. I have compassion for these people and I don't want to send them away because he knew that they would be hangry, right? Now, verse 33, his disciples answered, okay, so they're going to give a little pushback here. Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Now, I want to pause real quick. I want to pause real quick. In Matthew chapter 14, just one chapter before, that Jesus had just fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Here they are in Matthew 15, and seemingly they've already forgotten the miracle that Jesus had done in the previous chapter. But before we get really angry and point our fingers at the disciples' face, how many times have we forgotten what Jesus has done in our past because of what we're facing in our present? We've all done that. God has been incredibly good. He's delivered us. He saved us or he's healed us or he's done something incredible in our past. But that we get in our present and we absolutely freak out. The same thing the apostles are doing in this story. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread to feed such a crowd in a remote place? And this kind of brings us back to reality right here in 2018. Have you ever looked at the world and thought, God, I am so small. How can I make a difference in a world that's so big? I mean, we have a world that's going completely crazy right now. All you got to do is cut on the news and it's, there's another tragedy. There's another natural disaster. There's a school shooting. There's something that is absolutely causing complete chaos in our world. And we look at the world and we have the same question that the disciples had. How can we make a difference? This, is, th this crowd is so big. This world is so big. And I am so small. I don't feel like I'm significant enough to kind of step into this situation and make a difference. So, so Jesus answers them by saying this in verse 34. How many loaves do you have? Now, I would have stopped and said, listen, Jesus, I'm not the one with compassion for these people. So if you've got compassion, you feed them. You're Jesus. You can do all this crazy stuff, right? But Jesus said, oh, oh I'm, I'm going to feed them, but I'm going to feed them by what you have in your hands. So Jesus didn't say, y'all sit down and I'll take care of it. He said, how many loaves do you have? In other words, Jesus is asking this question. What is that you've got in your hand? Because no matter how small you think it is, no matter how insignificant you may think you are, I can use that to bring about the miraculous. I love their answer. Seven, they replied, 
and a few small fish, which it wouldn't have even mattered if they had a big fish. It wouldn't have mattered if they would have had a whale, all right? There are 4,000 men. That's not even including the women and the children. And so hide your kids, hide your wife, everybody's starving. It's, it's crazy right here in this situation. Jesus is saying to them, though, I want to take what you've got in your hands and I want to use it to feed these people. Now, common sense tells us there's no way seven loaves of bread will feed these people. But see, Jesus, Jesus is saying, I want you to take what's in your hands and simply place it back in my hands and watch me take it further than you could have ever taken it on your own. It's a very simple phrase that I, I try to write down um, probably at least once a week just to kind of remind me, God, my life and my plans in your hands. God, my life and my plans in your hands. Because your plans are greater, your ways are greater, your ways are higher. So God, my life and my plans in your hands. And when this, so, so this doesn't mean we need to go to our bread cabinet and take out a loaf and kind of give it to God and say, here it is. No, no, no. This is in reference to our spiritual gift. The spiritual gift that God has given you, God simply says, I want you to take that gift, put it in my hands, and then let me use you to make a difference in the world. Because I believe so many people, so many people all across the world watching today, we don't live up to our potential because we look at the world and we get intimidated by what we see rather than saying, you know what, Jesus, here I am. If you can take me and you can use me, I want to make a difference, my life and my plans in your hands. So let's come back to figuring out what your particular spiritual gift is. Now, there's all kinds of books on this and there's all kinds of tests that you can take online. If you just Google spiritual gifts, um, and there's some crazy stuff out there too on it, okay? Just crazy, because church people are crazy. We're all crazy. Um, so I want to give you two questions that you can ask that really will kind of put you in the ballpark of discovering your spiritual gift, okay? Here we go. The first question is this. What do I do well? What do I do well? And there's some people going, I don't do anything well. And you do. That's a slap in the face of a holy God, okay? He created you in his image you do something well. And so what is it that you do well? The second question is this. What do I enjoy? What do I enjoy? So what do I do well? And what do I enjoy? Now let me be very clear about this. It, you have to answer both questions. Because I've met some people, you've met some people. They enjoy things that they don't do well. And then they do some things well that they don't enjoy. Like a couple examples, a couple examples. Um, when I was in high school, I thought, this is going to be funny, um, if you imagine this, I thought I wanted to be an accountant. I don't know if you can see me as an accountant, um, but like sitting around with a little calculator doing numbers. Um, and I thought I wanted to be an accountant. And here's the deal, here's the deal. I don't say this a lot about myself. I was good at it. I was real good at accounting because um, numbers just make sense to me. I can do things with I can't remember names, but I can remember the telephone number of my very first best friend in elementary school. It's 859-1263. His name was Brian Jones. Um, don't call that number because anyway, it's probably just probably prank calling people. Um, but I can remember numbers. And so I've always been really, really good with numbers. And so I did it well. But here's the deal. I hated it. Like I hated 
And if you're an accountant, praise God for you. Hope you're, pray, especially this time of year, praise God for you. I just didn't do it well. And on the flip side, I've seen some people do some things that they enjoy, but they didn't do it. So, for, for example, I remember going to a church one time, and we've all been to this church. We've all had this experience. And a guy got on stage to sing, and he started singing. And I started, like I was in the church, and I, I laughed out loud. I literally laughed out loud because I thought it was a skit. I still remember this guy. I'm not going to call his name. Um, but I still remember because I thought it was a skit. And I looked down the road, and nobody else was laughing. And I'm like, oh, dear God, this is horrible. And so he sings this song, and he is so enjoying himself. And nobody else in the church was enjoying himself. And, and so he finished, and he sat down. And I remember talking to the pastor afterwards. And it's like, did you, like, are we going to let him sing again? He was like, oh yeah, he just loves to sing. I'm like, yeah, but nobody loves hearing him sing. And he's like, oh, but he's got a great heart. And I'm like, yeah, but his voice sucks. And um, I got in trouble for saying the word sucks, but I'm the pastor now. We don't get in trouble for that here. Um, and I just remember thinking he enjoyed it, but he didn't do it well. So the question is, what do you do well and what do you enjoy? Because when you ask yourself that question, you figure that out, that's probably the ballpark of your spiritual gift. What God has given to you for other people. Okay? So Jesus said, how many, how many loaves do you have? Oh, and by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way, gifted people never have to tell you they're gifted people. They just use their gift and you realize they're gifted people. For example, Steph Curry or LeBron James do not have to tell you they're gifted at playing basketball. You just put a ball in their hand and you watch them play, right? Celine Dion, which don't, no Celine jokes because I think Celine is awesome. <laughs> Celine Dion does not have to tell you she's a gifted singer, does she? No, she just grabs the microphone. I will not try to do Celine because while I enjoy singing, I do not do it well. And she sings, and you see how gifted she is. So if somebody, if you know somebody that's always telling you how gifted they are, number one, they're either not gifted, or number two, they're insecure in their gift. Okay? So what do you do well? What do you enjoy? Because so whatever the answer to that question is, all Jesus wants us to do is take that and put it back in his hands. So here's, here's, here's what happens. Verse 35. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground, which I think that's one of the greatest miracles in the world to get 4,000 adults to sit down because children are easy to lead. You try to lead adults sometimes, all right? So that's the miracle. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them. Let me pause right here and say, our gifts are always more effective after we've been broken. I just want to say it because it's in the text. Things can go further when someone or something is actually broken. So Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it because if you don't break it, it can't go out into the crowd. So he breaks the bread and gave them to the disciples and they in turn gave it to the people. Notice this, Jesus didn't give it to the people. The disciples had the bread. They gave it to Jesus. He gave thanks for it, broke it, gave it back to the disciples, and then the disciples gave it to the people. That's exactly how it works with our spiritual gift. God gives us the spiritual gift or the gifts that we have. We take them and say, here, here you go, God. I'm going to put these back in your hands. 
He takes them, he breaks them, he gives them back to us, and then he expects us to actually take action. This is what the disciples did. Um, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. So this is like Bible buffet right here, okay? Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So how many loaves of bread did they have? Not a trick question. Seven. They had seven loaves of bread, and they picked up seven basketfuls. Don't, don't miss this. God always gives us more back than we gave him in the first place. So, so they all, like, they had a piece of bread, then they got a basket in, in return. Um, the number of those who ate were four, was 4,000 besides women and children. Don't miss this, though. Don't miss this. It goes all the way back to the fact that Jesus started the miracle out by saying, I have what for these people? Compassion. And compassion always leads to action. If, if, if we see a situation and we say we have compassion, but we don't take action, actually all we did was feel sorry for someone. Because compassion is more than I feel sorry for that person. Compassion leads to action. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I really do believe Second Chance Church is going to reach the world. But it's not because of me or my communication ability or my ability to do X, Y, or Z. It's going to be because we have a group of people motivated by compassion for people far from God and her, who are willing to allow compassion to turn into action so that we can reach the world. I've got a... Um, uh, all of us, if, if in, well, at least in the Christian world, um, I've, we've got some favorite preachers. And, and one of my favorite preachers in the world is a guy by the name of Brian Houston, Pastor Brian Houston. He pastors this small little church in Australia called Hillsong. Um, they have a campus everywhere in the world. I think they've got one on the moon and on Mars. And so when, if Elon Musk ever gets there, Pastor Brian Houston's already there and it has a thriving campus. Um, and so, so he, he is an unbelievable leader. And one of, his, one of his most famous quotes, I love this, he said this. He said, Hillsong Church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. Hillsong Church is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. And that's one of those quotes that's just near and dear to my heart because I really do believe that if our church is going to reach our potential, it really does depend on every single person going, you know what, God? My life and my plans in your hands. All the problems in the world seem humongous, but God did not call us to wring our hands God did not call us to merely pray for the world. God has called us to step into the world and make a difference. I have a, um, I have a good friend. Her name is Chris. And um, she, she was living a, a very good, uh, if, you, if you viewed her life from outside in, you would say she's living a very good Christian life. She was very involved in church. She was, um, you know, very involved in leadership within the church. She did some incredible things for God. 
But she tells the story, and so this isn't my story, this is her story, where she got off a plane one time in Greece, where, she, where she's from. She got off a plane, and she's walking through the airport, and she starts looking at these pictures of all these missing girls. And she just gets bothered by it. You know, a lot of us, we see things in the world, and we get bothered by it. But something clicked in Chris. She got bothered by it, and so she began asking questions about it. And people told her, these girls are, um, they've, been, they've been most likely sold into the sex slave trade, human trafficking. And um, it, it's highly likely they'll never be found, and if they are found, they're going to have psychological issues for the rest of their life. And, and, and Chris, Chris felt compassion. She didn't feel sorry for the girls, because if she would have felt sorry for the girls, she would have said a prayer for them and kept going. But Chris felt compassion for these girls. And she was like, I'm just one person, and I don't know what I can do, but I'm going to do something. This was years and years and years ago. The Chris that I'm referring to is Christine Kane. She leads a um, movement called the A21 Network. It's an organization that rescues victims of human trafficking. And if you want a good follow on social media, on Twitter, go follow her because anytime they have a rescue, anytime they have something significant happen, she'll always tweet, hey, one person rescued, five, person rescued, five people rescued, three people rescued. And I'm looking at her saying what God did with her is not just some random blessing. That, that's what I believe he wants to do through every single person in the world. He gifted us, and not so that we could delight in our gift, but so that we could use our gift to serve people far from God and ultimately bring them into the kingdom. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 4.10. He said, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So at Second Chance Church, it's, listen, I just want to say this, and it's awesome that we can say this while we have a digital campus so that when we have a physical campus, everybody can understand. This isn't going to be a church where people can show up and sit on the sidelines. It's not going to be a church where we show up and we evaluate how well we are served. We are going to be a church full of people that are going to say, you know what, God, my life and my plans and your hands, and I'm not the greatest at this, or I might not be the best at this, but you know what, Jesus, I have a passion for the people that you have a passion for. I have compassion for the people you have compassion for. So if you can use me, use me to make a difference, because I believe a group of people like that will absolutely change the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for the fact that you not only save us by your grace, but that you gift us by your grace for the good of others. And Father, I pray right now for those watching who maybe have felt at some point in their life like they're insignificant or they're meaningless. God, I pray that today they would no longer believe the lie of the enemy that everybody would understand created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. And that you would absolutely, God, compel us to compassion, not just feeling sorry for the, 
for people, but actually taking action to do something. And Father, I want to pray right now for those, God, who may have never received you into their life. And with heads bowed and eyes closed right now, maybe you've never prayed to receive Jesus. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to come into your life and take over and take control. Maybe today it's not about the spiritual gift, but it's about the salvation gift that you need to receive. Because Jesus can absolutely and will absolutely use you to make a difference. But it's not Jesus outside of us, it's Jesus inside of us that makes the difference. So if you are watching today, and you've never prayed to receive Jesus into your life. And you want to ask Jesus to come in. And, and listen, you want him to be Lord of your life, leader of your life. You want to surrender your life to him. Then right where you are right now, I want you to just pray this prayer in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, I confess that you are Lord. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And right now, I receive that payment and accept you in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray, amen. Hey, if you just prayed to receive Christ, if you're watching at the Second Chance website, if you'll just do the hand raise, there's a little button you can click to raise your hand so that we can know that you prayed to receive Christ. Or you can email us, prayer at perrynoble.com prayer at perrynoble.com that'd be amazing we got carly looking carly do we have some hand raises going on we got one so far so we're going to celebrate the one we celebrated like 40 something a few weeks ago we're going to celebrate one and more people will come in for that one hey thank you for having the courage to raise your hand saying you accepted christ we believe jesus has better plan greater plans for our lives than we could ever imagine and so want to thank you for tuning in also wanted to say um talk about easter for just a second so Last week, we announced um, we're having Easter services at the Bleckley Station. We have three services, 6 o'clock on Saturday night, 9.15, 11.15 on Sunday. Um, and we were doing tickets. We're doing tickets, free tickets. You can go online or you could actually go online and get free tickets. Um, we uh, sold out. I say sold out because I don't know how it gave out, but sold out, sold out of tickets in um, 72 hours. All services completely filled, and a wait list on uh, for every service. And so if you got your tickets, awesome. If you didn't get your tickets, um, not awesome. And just to let you know, we're trying our best. We've actually called around and tried to find other venues, uh, larger venues, and we've struck out with everyone. We even called um, the Bon Secours Wellness Arena in Greenville, also known as the Bilo Center. That's what I'm always going to call it. Um, our price range just a touch out of the price range for second chance right now okay i'm recording on an iphone 7 my god so we don't we don't have like the best technology and so we can't quite go that route so we're trying to figure out how in the world can we create more space for people so please be patient with us if you got your tickets awesome please don't sell them on ebay um because they're they are free all right and if you didn't get tickets and you're on a wait list Hang in there. We're trying to see if there's anything else that we can do to accommodate as many people as possible. But you can all, the Sunday services, you'll be able to view them live at 9.15 and 11.15.
um, on my Facebook page and on Second Chances website if you, if you don't get in. But we're trying to do as much as we can um, to get people. I wanted to say this because I forgot to say this. No child care. We don't have a nursery. So if you want to bring your baby, um, do need a ticket for your children. And if you got a small baby, and we'll go ahead and tell you, the music's going to be loud. So bring some hearing protection, big earmuffs or something like that, or you can hold their ears. Um, but we don't have a nursery and we don't have child care because number one, we don't have the staff or volunteers. And number two, we don't have the room. We are going to have some incredible music. Some of the musicians, I'll be telling you who we've got um, later on down the line. We've got some incredible musicians coming in, incredible singers. So we're going to have a time of worship and we're going to have a time of preaching. And right now we're maxed out. So please be patient with us as we try to figure out how to get more people um, how, to, how to accommodate more people. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't miss next week. We're going to be talking about the fourth value. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you for tuning in today. We believe here at Second Chance Church that the best is yet to come.